Welcome back to the Resilient Christian Podcast. I'm Aaron, your host, and thank you again for taking time to listen. We're grateful for it. We have Halloween coming up, and although that holiday, that event is seen as a super fun time and a lot of us engage in it, we wanted to go deeper into the history of Halloween and what happens on Halloween and to really help equip Christians to understand the spiritual significance of what happens on Halloween. By the end of this episode, we hope that you will have a better grasp of Halloween and um, how you can make a better decision about your level of engagement in in it and uh, your kids' lives. I wanted to say that many people oftentimes are more afraid of Satan than they are of God. And the reverse should be true, actually. We should have a deep sense of reverence and fear of God because the name of Jesus is above every name. And so we want to get into that a little bit more today as well. And so one of our values here for our podcast is to clear the clutter. What we mean by that is we want to get rid of some of the secular clutter that oftentimes gets in the way of us living a fruitful Christian life to Jesus. I'm joined by a returning favorite, MJ, who shared her story of coming out of uh, witchcraft and the occult to become a follower of Jesus in episode six. If you haven't listened to that, we encourage you to do so. And so she's really going to share her story more in detail today and help us lead this discussion. And then I'm also joined by my good friend, Katie, who I work alongside for our church plant at Friends Church Eastvale. She has a passion for spiritual formation and discipleship. Katie and MJ, thank you for joining us today on the show. Thank you for having me. Be here. MJ, you shared on episode six, uh, that was maybe three, four months ago now, but mm-hmm. that episode really impacted a lot of people's lives. Thank you again for having me. It was very something special that I haven't really shared with a lot of people and to be able to come on and share that part of my story was pretty powerful. I remember lots of people saying they wanted to know more because friends and relatives and, and people they loved were kind of leaning into the occult and yeah. what you shared gave them a really good foundation for how to jump off and and figure out what their steps were to encourage their friend to get out of the occult. What I wanted to do is to just jump into a little bit of the history of Halloween. First, the older history and where it came from, and then talk about the current, what actually happens right now on Halloween, and MJ to kind of have you share what you know from your background. All right. Sound good? Yep. Okay, cool. So obviously, I'll just kind of share a couple nuggets of history from, from Halloween, the history of it. And just we'll just kind of have some discussion around it. So number one, Halloween is celebrated October 31st. And the tradition originated with the ancient uh, Celtic festival called um, Samhain. It was this celebration of warding off ghosts during the harvest season. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints, which is where we get All Saints Day. And it was a time to honor people who had loved God, but had had passed away. And so they made All Saints Day November 1. Therefore, the evening before November 1, All Saints Day, became known as Hallow's Eve. On October 31st, when it first started, it marked the end of the summer and the harvest and the beginning of a dark, cold winter. And that was often associated with death. Celtics believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the world of the dead became blurred and thin. And so dark spirits would be allowed to engage humans more often. And then uh, third, Celts believe that the presence of otherworldly spirits made it easier for Druids and priests in their, in their religion to predict the future and to 
make sacrifices to, to their gods. Finally, in, in 43 AD, the Roman Empire conquered uh, much of the land around the Celtics, and they began to try to figure out how to take their traditions and incorporated some of their own uh, traditions as Romans into the Celtic calendar, uh, including what was called the, the, the day, it's called Furlala, I think it was, I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but they uh, commemorated the passing of the dead and then also the, the holiday Pomona, where they actually honored a false god, which was the goddess of fruit and trees. And that's probably where we get the whole idea of bobbing for apples in the, uh, the Halloween tradition. On May 13th, 1609, the Pope, this is where the Christian church comes into play, dedicated that November 1 was going to be this All Saints Day. And they tried to kind of Christianize like all the pagan, you know, religious stuff that happened around that day by calling it All Saints Day. And when that happened, they also created November 2nd called All Souls Day, which was a day in general to honor the dead. So you had like this three-day festival of the, the Hallows Eve and then All Saints Day on November 1 and then All Souls Day on November 2nd that really tried to kind of Christianize the whole pagan holiday, but it really never really happened the way that they probably intended. I'm not too sure what they were intending. But on All Souls Day, many pagan people, non-Christian people, and even Christians would dress up in costumes as saints, angels, and even devils, and would celebrate kind of this, you know, darker, you know, part of, of life of the unseen and the dead. So that's kind of the, the history. I don't know how much of that any of you know, that's a lot of information. But just want to just pause and discuss that. Anything that stands out to you that surprises you or even just kind of makes you kind of sad or bummed out? Every culture that's taken on Halloween all the way from the back of where it started has to do with dead things. It has to do with the dead. I think we should first and foremost like remember that when we come into practice with things like what is what is scripture? What is the Bible? What is Jesus? What does God tell us? that where we should place the dead in our in our lives. A lot of the Roman spin on holidays have started with a pagan background that they have kind of incorporated into their faith or into their religion because they were trying to get all these pagans to become Christians. They were trying to get these pagan people to follow Jesus or to have this other faith. So they took, and this is very common with a lot of our known holidays, they took this pagan ritual, this pagan idea, this pagan holiday, and they went, how can we transform this so it's still comfortable for them? Which I find really ironic because it's some of the things that we do now. So again, when the topic of Halloween, how do we make Christians always ask, how do we make Halloween acceptable? Like, how can we do it to make it acceptable? So I feel like we're just doing a modern day version of what they did back then. And I think it was really like, okay, I don't even know if there was so much thought into like, hey, let's worship the dead. It was more of like, how can we take this pagan holiday and make it more culturally, culturally acceptable for us right now? And that was, okay, we're going to honor the saints because who wouldn't want to honor the saints? And now you're making these these saints kind of a false idol by honoring them. They're dead. And now you're you know doing what you're doing in this holiday for these dead saints. I think like that, that question, how can we make this day acceptable? Right. You could just, you could put that onto anything that's kind of like in the gray of the Christian life. How can we mm -hmm. make uh, drinking acceptable or right. how can we make living together 
acceptable. And, and I think that's what kind of makes me uncomfortable is the church mm-hmm. looking at this pagan holiday and say, how can we make this acceptable? I, I don't know what the verse is. I'm, I'm not thinking of it like with the right uh, word for word, but Jesus talking about if your eye causes you to stumble, cut it out rather than the church saying, this isn't good. We're just going to like cut this off right. and help our people understand and disciple people to understand why this isn't good. They made a compromise. And then now this is where we're at today. Yeah. 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 I've heard it said, if here is the line, instead of being, okay, if this is a line that's like, we should not cross this line. So often it's like, how close though can we get before crossing it? Which I think what Erin, you're saying is like, how far can we get from the line is maybe the question we should be asking and how do we go away from it instead of towards it? But this is such an interesting conversation to me. I, even as like a follower of Jesus, haven't really researched Halloween and until like this podcast, like I haven't looked at the history. And so even to find that this came from Christian roots and came from the church, I was really like shocked by. So, and I just, I'm curious how many people also don't know the history of it too. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know a whole lot either until like a month ago when MJ and I started talking about doing something and I'm like, hey, we should like do a follow-up. How about we talk about Halloween? And I'm sure you know some things about Halloween that I don't. So I just started like looking up stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, like the church kind of created the modern version of this. I want to transition to MJ, a little bit more of your experience and a little bit of your story. For people who didn't listen to episode six, can you just give like kind of a two minute version of a little bit of your background in this whole thing and in in the occult and what God called you out of? Sure. So I am raised in a... I don't know, I would say a typical Christian family had a very, had a good understanding and a background of God and Jesus and what was right and what was wrong. And felt like through a lot of my younger years, like high school into early adulthood, I didn't have a lot of answers for things. I kind of felt like, oh, it wasn't fair that we don't have, you know, power or these these gifts that you would have if you were, you know, like psychics and things like that, like being able to understand that we're not just this 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 simple leveled human. And I wasn't in a a church or in a family that really embraced like spiritual gifts or anything like that to be like, no, no, there is more, there is power in your faith. And so when you are experiencing like having knowledge about somebody or understanding things or seeing things differently or feeling like someone's speaking to you, but you don't know that that could be God, like when you're when you're in your prayer time or whatever. So you don't have that personal relationship. You don't know that there's a supernatural aspect to your faith. I kind of ventured out to find where that was coming from. And the best place that I found it was with like spiritual mentors, people that call themselves psychics or intuitives or spiritually connected to source or to God. And so I kind of went that direction and gained a lot of like mentorship in, I guess the, I wouldn't really say a cult, but in this like supernatural spiritual uh, realm. And then from there, really started to get interested in what Wicca was. And I really liked the idea that Wicca wasn't a religion. So you could be a Wiccan and still be a Christian. That Therefore, I was still feeling like safe and protected because I still, you know, believed in God and knew that there was, you know, believed that Jesus was my savior and had those things, but still was able to connect like universal principles and things like that together. And really started to study Wiccan and paganism and just different things like that. And I got 
pretty deeply wrapped into it and had a very demonic encounter one night. And it wasn't, it was Jesus that saved me out of that because I did have an understanding that Jesus was my savior. And I had met somebody that reminded me of that. And in this encounter that I had in the middle of a morning was able to call out for Jesus and was instantly saved, was instantly, Mm. you know, redeemed in that moment. And it was so real that there was no questioning that Jesus wasn't real. And so Mm. it was for me, man, like God is more powerful than anything that I've got going on over here. And I really need to rethink what's going on because, you know, that experience that I had was very scary and very, very real. You, you told me in our other conversation that there was a difference between like white magic and dark black magic. Yeah. And white magic yeah. um, is kind of more the, mm. the leaning toward, you know, good and, and love. And you right. were, you were more in the, in the, in the white. I was more on the white magic side. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I didn't have an understanding or know people that were into black magic. And I could say the difference would be white magic would be. As, I mean, this is what teenagers are doing now. I like this boy. I want him to call me. So I light a candle. I put his name on it and I chant some things and, you know, miraculously he's going to call. And that's, it's not as, I think, as white as we like to believe, because again, we know we're using demons to summons up this event that we want to take place. Wiccans are pretty, they're pretty like set on only doing white magic, that it's only for the greater good. We're not doing things to, you know, hurt somebody else. And there's, there's all these laws and rules on if you do that, it comes back to you 10 times worse. And, you know, so people feel very safe in what they're doing because they think that they're just doing things for the greater good or believing in these magical spells for the greater good. And you're using universe and universal Mm. things like rocks and crystals and things to heal and better and help people. You'd mentioned a moment ago that you, you didn't know at the time you thought I could be a Wiccan, do Wicca Mm -hmm. and be a Christian. Right. And my mind's going back to the (laughs) the question you threw out there earlier of how can we make this acceptable? Right. And it it seems like there was a really quick jump of, Oh, this is accept. This is acceptable. I can be a, and be a yeah. and do Wicca. How did you? Yeah. How did when when you were thinking that? How did you? How did you think? Or why did you think? Or where did you learn that you could do Wicca and still be a Christian? How so, how do you reconcile those two things? Because the practice, the Wiccan practices, is not a religion. So I'm holding true to my faith that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I'm using the universe and I'm using gravity or, you know, the, how would you, what would you call it? You're using the universal pull to manifest or to make things happen off of energy. So Mm. I'm adding some herbs together and, you know, creating this perfect atmosphere to manifest something or create something, or I'm using a crystal to rev up its energy to heal a block out of somebody's body or out of my own body, or I'm using natural things from the earth like sage to burn, to rid of, of evil spirits. And you know that as a Christian, there are evil spirits, there's demons, there's things like that. And so as a Wiccan, you're taking this practice of, well, I'm not, I'm not asking these evil spirits to come inside of me, even though some do, but I'm asking, like I'm using the things that God has given us on this earth to 
as a protection to protect me instead of just using God as your protector. So it's like bypassing the God factor and you're kind of becoming your own God, but they don't teach it that way as a religion. They teach it as a practice. It's something that you can use in connection with your religion. So if I'm, if I'm hearing right, it's almost like because I'm using natural things, I can now I can use my faith in Jesus, but I'm using, I'm using earthly things. So therefore I can, God gave us those things. Yeah. So it's kind of part of God's fear of influence anyway. So it's okay. Is that, is that correct? Right. Yeah. Would it be, would it be safe to say if we make the jump to Halloween Mm -hmm. while, you know, is there a, is there a similar, like a, a like, a like where it's like, you know, I can engage in Halloween practices because it's fun and it's like goofy. Yeah. Be, and and God, I can wear it, Disney costumes and that, it not mean anything. Yeah. Um, is there is there a connection in that way to Halloween or is that are they not the same? So I believe and not this is where I think everyone has to take their own personal like prayer time with God to really see like where he how he speaks to you in this. But I believe so we know that God is the most powerful, right? Like God is he's in charge of everything. But we have to remember that he did put Lucifer in charge, Satan in charge of earth. This is Lucifer's realm. So Mm. we are here on this earth. And what we do here is tight, like, just like God has laws and rules and principles, so does Satan. So there's laws and rules and principles there. This is how like spiritual warfare happens. We open doors. It gives them right to come in. Well, yeah, God's more powerful than that. He can make that go away, but you're giving a right in Mm. the spiritual realm for that to torment you, for you to have that oppression. You just opened a door. You just gave authority to that. And I'm sitting here like, oh, we're going to not do Halloween this year because I'm now like re-remembering like what this is doing. You have to go back to the origin. Why did people dress up in costumes during Halloween? What is that connected to? That connection does not go away. Mm, Just because mm. you and your mind think it does spiritually, it does not go away. Let me just also say to people listening, part of our hope today is not to become legalistic in like, here's black and white. We want yep. to help empower people to make yeah. decisions that are really yeah. godly off of off of truth of the Bible. Sure. And so that's our that's you know really our aim, and we're going to get into some scripture in a moment for people to take in their prayer time yes. to God yeah. and let God move and speak with them through what it is they're yeah. doing. I just want to give like how I connect these things and how I've taken it on. Like this is what I've seen. This is what yeah. I you know. And we so appreciate that's why we because your your background is so unique and your story is is so unique that it's like we what we want to learn and I think that's what I'm hearing you say is that it opens the the gate. I yeah, I believe that it does. Yeah. And I and I believe that so strongly that even if you don't believe it and even if you don't think that's happening, you have to remember we're not just physical beings. Mm-hmm. So things are happening in the background that you yeah. don't see. I do want to just quote a couple of verses. Uh, Colossians 2.10, talking about Jesus in Christ, you have been made complete. So there's the completion. Like you were talking about how you were searching a lot of times, new age spirituality is people searching to be made whole for completeness, for right. love. But in Jesus, Colossians says, we are made complete. And Jesus is the head over all rule and authority. And when Paul uses that phrase, rule and authority, he's always speaking to spirits and the demonic and false gods. Mm-hmm. He's always speaking mm-hmm. that. So Jesus is as, as higher than any of those things, which is awesome. 
And then another verse that I think relates to some of this is Colossians 2 or 2 Corinthians 4.18. Paul says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I think a lot of people, we live in a Western mindset where it's like, it's just physical. It's what you see. It's what you touch. It's, it's there, but there is a whole other realm that we don't see that has impact on how we live right now. And that's what you're speaking to, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some of your experiences and what you know about that, about, you know, Halloween from the side of the occult. Can you just begin to kind of share with us what happens on, on, you know, leading up to Halloween on Halloween, that kind of a thing. Okay. So everything is pretty much revolved around the sun and moon cycles. So Halloween is coming at a time where you're leaving one solstice and entering into the winter solstice. And with all of those celebrations being the time of the dead or celebrating the dead, there is a belief that the veil in the spiritual realm is so thin that the day of Hall, so Halloween at night, usually at three in the morning, leading into the next day into November 1st, the veil is so thin that the spiritual world and the physical world are almost like at the same time. Mm. So when you think about all the different people in the world, that in the world we're talking, not just in the United States, in the world that believe this and that are in some spiritual practice, whether it be Satanism or paganism or Wiccanism or whatever it is, and they're taking on this practice of at this time, we can evoke and welcome in all of these spirits. I'm not even talking about like scary spirits. Some people want to bring on the spirit of some God in Egypt from who knows when. Like this is the time that when people want to take on a spirit for whatever power they possessed, this is when you do it. And so mm. there are all over the world on this particular day, people going into seances, going into personal their prayer time where they are welcoming spirits in because they believe that on this day, because of these two solstices combining, like meeting, that the veil between the two is so thin again, that this is a time for you to evoke the spirits into your life, into whatever it is you want from them. And I personally have not done that because that scared mm -hmm. the bejeebies out of me. Like that has always like really freaked me out. I've never wanted to be one to, you know, take on another spirit, but I have definitely seen it. I know mm. people who have done it. I have physically been in the same room when it's happened and it is crazy. Like it is, that is, that is, that's, that's scary. That's mm. a whole new thing. And so there are people that are doing that all over the place. And the more, the more you align with these things, the more energy it's giving to these, to this power. So that is why Anton LaVey, the founder of the Satanist church has made a statement saying that he is glad that all the Christians, like children get to celebrate Satan for one day. Wow. wow. That scares me. Like if the, yeah. the founder of the Satanist church is saying like, I am so excited that all these people are putting their kids in these cute costumes and sending them out and celebrating the day of the devil. Like that alone makes me go, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Even if none of this stuff was real, just the fact that this guy made that comment like gives me chills. Yeah. So yeah. 
the closer you get to that particular day, the more powerful, the more power they believe you have. But it is Halloween has more people making blood sacrifices, doing seances, summonsing dead relatives, summonsing dead spirits, summonsing anything that's dead that they believe is going to bring them power. I mean, it's happening every, it happens everywhere. And 3 a.m. is the typical time of, that's in general, 3 a.m. on any given day is the, is the witching hour. That's what everyone in that this, you know, realm believes is the witching hour and that that's when Satan does his, you know, his most work. And I've heard, you know, Christians even rebuttal and saying, well, you know, we can't give Satan power on that day. God has power all the time. But then I just go back and remember, okay, well, if you think about it, if you've got a a mass group of people coming together at a specific time or a specific day, it's going to happen. Like if you took a bunch of us and put us in a room and we all prayed for somebody powerfully the prayer moves it works it happens like there's a very good possibility that there's going to be an outcome for that person that we're praying for Mm. and i believe it's kind of it's the same exact thing would would this happen with with white magic and dark magic or just dark magic no it'd be both it would be both it's i mean yeah halloween is a day for anybody that is somewhere under the occult practice from the very bottom to the very top, you're, they're doing something that day. It's mm-hmm. like an exciting day for any occult religion. Yeah. Um, and it, what they are doing may look different, but there's still that practice is still taking place. It is, it's like w- witches are so excited for Halloween. So it's like, what spells can I do today? Cause you believe that this is so powerful that day that it's going to happen. I mean, there's a whole other group of people that believe that there's portals that open up and now you can like port into other realms and other places and other things. It's Dude. wild. So yeah. would would people, like the, the, the degree that you practiced, is that mm-hmm. would, people on your level, they would do these things. This wasn't like higher. Like you, I know you said- No, there's no, like no a this big, is not higher. This is, no. This is every day. Every day. Wow. Everyday people that- you know, wow. it's also so, the time that people would want to get in touch with their spirit guides. Like, let's really try to summons up that guide on, on Halloween. As someone who was saved out of that and rescued out of that, how do you, you kind of shared a little bit earlier, how do you practice or how do you, how does your family engage in this culturally as other people are? I mean, what's, what's your level of comfort? Are you like no candy out front? We're not doing anything or what's, what does no, that look like now for you? I do dress my kids up and we will sometimes go door to door and do trick or treating and Halloween costumes have to be in some level of, you know, like my son's going to be a fish this year. Like we let him be a fish. (laughs) So it's like you pick something like that. Typically we like to go to the churches and do like church activity. I don't love it. I will be honest. I don't love it. I want to completely cut it out. And I, probably like so many of us really struggle with, but I want my kids to have fun. I don't want my kids to feel left out. And I think this year has really, maybe even just leading up to this podcast has really made me go, oh, I don't want to do any of this because I'm re-reminding myself of what I actually believe and what these things represent and what the costume represents. And you're, I'm very torn with the 
do I just let my kids have fun tonight or do we just do something else at home? Like my kids can get candy any day. Like they eat candy all the time. So we don't need to go to the neighbor's house to get candy. Well, just to stop you right there. I mean, just say like, I think number one, as a, as a podcast, it's, it's great to, uh, that we're wrestling with these issues. You know, I, I love that you're wrestling and I, I gotta be honest, I'm, I was wrestling the last few weeks. Like, Oh man, like what are, you know, we're going to yeah. get into these in, in, in a moment, kind of our four core questions here that we always want to go through. But part of that, those questions are, how do we redeem this? Uh, can we redeem it? Or is that kind of hearkening back to what the church, what the Pope tried to do in 600, 609 is like, how do, what level of acceptance do we have? What does that look like for us? So I love that you're wrestling with it. And even like trying to figure out, okay, with my background and what I know now, like, am I, am I going to engage in this? Is this good? Why, why not? I, I think that's just really admirable. Um, yeah, I've got lots of, lots of answers for those three questions. (laughs) Okay. That's good. Let's jump into the three questions. So here's actually, it's four questions. Here's our first one. What does scripture say about, about, about the occult and about this? I have a couple of verses. I'll read, I'll read one and and let you kind of read any others that you have as well. Leviticus 1931 says this, do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out. And so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord, your God. Deuteronomy 18, nine, when you come into the land that your Lord, your God has given you, so that was a promised land, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations speaking about engagement in the occult. Yeah. So let me just, let's just take a moment to like, think about the, the application of those two verses right there. So Leviticus 19.31, don't turn to mediums. Don't seek them out. What do you think? I really like that verse. And that one for me really hit home. I think you will get with that verse from people pertaining to Halloween specifically. Well, we're not seeking out a psychic. We're just going to go get some candy from the neighbors. And I typically would go, well, go back to the roots of what you're doing though. So what are you, what are you actually engaging in that? Mm. And coming from like as a past in this, to me, this stuff is very real and maybe it's not realistic, but maybe it actually is. I like that yeah. word. Maybe it's like, maybe, maybe we need to think about this. Like maybe there's yeah. more to this. I think that's a big deal. And then that Deuteronomy passage, I think this is the one that really speaks to me about where we're at, where, where God says, when you come into the promised land, don't learn to follow the practices of those nations. And he's, he's specifically speaking to right. the, the pagan practices of the occult. Now th- yep. there's, there's no real like big gap in application. Like don't learn right. those practices. So, I mean, yeah. am I off? Does that feel like, like we're, we're, no. we're reading that correctly? I think that's spot on. And it kind of goes like if, if scripture tells you don't engage in these practices from pagans, and this is a pagan practice, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty like black and white for <laughs> me. Don't engage. Totally. And look, this yeah, is yeah. not, this is not salvation stuff, right? Like I'm not saying like, if you participate in this, your salvation is done. No, that's not what we're saying. And then I've got, um, first Thessalonians five twenty two, and it says abstain from every form of evil. Oh, abstain from that's every good. form of evil. Wow. Can we, can we break that they, down for a moment? Can we just, yeah. Uh, by the way, Katie, any, I feel like you're kind of like nodding at, is, is, Got anything on those verses? No, I'm just soaking it all in over here. I'm like mind blown. 
I think part of it too, and even like as we're looking at scripture and reading these verses, I think I'm even sitting over here just honestly with a little bit of conviction of like, oh, I've been living how many years as a follower of Jesus and I haven't, I haven't dived into this, dived into this. Yeah. And even to know like, and I'm kind of wrestling with like, what is like, what is our responsibility as followers of Jesus to, to know about these things? Because I think so many people and what we talked about even a little bit before with like yoga, these different practices or getting candy. So many people are like, well, that wasn't my intention and God knows my heart and I'm, I'm protected. And I even was in a conversation the other day with someone that was like, well, we don't want our kids to be scared of this. And so we want to expose them to this. So there's no fear. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just sitting here, even just listing these verses, like, yeah, like it is kind of our responsibility to like be able to call out the things that are evil so we can stay away from them. So, yeah. I think we, the, the biggest objection or maybe reason rationalization that people would have, or I would even have is when it says abstain from every form of evil would be, well, what my kids are doing is not evil. Like what my kids are doing is they're my, my, my little, my little sweeties are going around asking for a Snicker bar. Like that's not evil. Yeah. But what we're saying is, cause that's not, that, that's not, that isn't in and of itself evil to ask for no. candy. What we're saying is the holiday is, is grounded and was founded in evil practices. And that evil still colors the holiday. So why would we practice along with it? Correct. Right. Yes. It kind of also like makes me think, would we celebrate someone else's religious holiday Mm. just because it's fun? Like I don't celebrate Hanukkah, but I'd really like to get all those presents. Like, like, would you do that? Would you celebrate someone else's holiday just because it's fun? Or maybe we would as Americans or as some some Christians might, but would other religions that are so faithful to God, to their God, would they celebrate Christmas or would they celebrate Easter? Yeah. And that, I hate to do that, but sometimes I do have to look back at other people in other religions. Like I have a girlfriend who I love dearly who's Muslim and she would never celebrate a Christian holiday because her faith is like, like, I wish that some of the Christians I knew were as faithful as she was to to, Mm. in her faith. And I feel like we can learn from some of these people too. Like, I feel like we can learn from how other people worship and how faithful they are. What what I'm hearing in this conversation is there are big questions that maybe every Christian should wrestle with around this holiday. Yeah. Uh, Is it, is it, is it in some way agreeing with the pagan backgrounds of this holiday and, and what does that do in terms of my own heart and you know, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of questions around here. So I love that verse for, can you say it again? So I can just make sure that everyone hears where that was tagged from first Thessalonians. So first Thessalonians five 22, and this is from the ESV version and it's abstain from every form of evil. Mm, That's good. So I have another one. Got, so we've got one, Ephesians, yeah. another one, Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Wow. On, oh, that is good. Yeah. So good. Say that, say that again. 
Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Hmm. So for me, they're not even talking about that it's like, that it's bad, really. It's unfruitful. What does that mean? Like, what, what is, what is coming out of this, out of this day? Is it fruitful? Is it bringing life? Like, what is it doing? Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And I think that's a really good one leading into like, how do you redeem this day? Yeah. We'll just on that for just a minute. Cause that, that Ephesians 5, yeah. 11, when you, when you read that, like in your devotions, you know, you're thinking bad, bad TV choices or something. But when you put that verse in sure. light of Halloween, it makes mm-hmm. Halloween engaging in Halloween seem almost like, why would I engage in it? Because and it's that's saying that, you know? take no part. So don't engage, take mm-hmm. no part, be not with the unfruitful works of darkness. So you may not be doing the darkness, but you're now disconnect yourself from mm-hmm. the unfruitful works of the darkness. Mm. So, so good. You don't have to be doing the evil stuff. Trick-or-treating is not evil in itself, but disconnect yourself from all unfruitful works of all darkness. Yeah. And then That's, expose it. Then so expose then have it. a conversation like we are right now. Um, I love that word expose because I mm-hmm. think that is like, I, I look at our culture and I look at, I think, even in our culture, a very westernized place where Halloween is just, it's its another like target holiday where you can just buy sure. things and it's like so consumeristic. And so we see it yeah. as more of like, oh, it's just the type of decorations I'm putting in my house yeah. or like the types of things I'm doing. But even just in this conversation, not to say like everyone is doing this, but like there could be, or there's very likely these things that are happening. And I think that even there is exposing. And I think a lot of people just don't know. And so, yeah, I think this is great. I'll just do the other one really quick. So that one's Romans 12, 2. Yeah. And it's, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot needs to be said there. I think that's really, really clear. So the second question is, how does this topic make you, or can it make you a more resilient Christian? So how does wrestling with this topic really help somebody as a Christian become more strong uh, in their faith? I think it makes people go study. I think it's going to make people get into prayer, have a conversation with God, go to their Bible, see what scripture says to them, see what God, how God's speaking to them and how they choose to use this information. I think this goes with that second verse I gave of exposure. So just having another conversation at your dinner table with your spouse or with your sister or with your friend or with somebody, you're going to now expose this and people are going to have more conversation. Regardless of what they choose to do, you're going to think twice. Maybe it's just, hey, you know what? We won't do the skulls and the death stuff, but we'll stick with you know this stuff over here. But I think it just gives us food for thought. It gives us more power, more knowledge. Katie, how about you? How would this topic make someone a more resilient Christian if, if they kind of wrestle through it? Yeah, I think even as I am sitting here kind of wrestling with it, and I, what was that third verse you said, MJ, the Romans verse? It's Romans 12, 2. Um, Can you read it one more time? 
Yeah, Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. And then I think it goes on then to say, right, then then you'll be, then able, you will to be able to test and approve what God's will is. Yeah. So I think even in that, as we're studying, as we're wrestling and fixing mm-hmm. our eyes on Jesus, because I think that that's part of it, you know, like on Halloween, where are you looking? Are you looking to Jesus or are you looking to the world or to other things sure. going on? And as we're fixing our eyes on Jesus in the light of wrestling with this, and I think really wrestling with it too, not just hearing something and being like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I shouldn't do that too. But like sitting with God and being, okay, God, what, where, where am I in this? And like, what is your way mm-hmm. for me in this? Mm-hmm. And then we'll be able to test going forward. So it's not just like next time Halloween comes around, you're like, oh, right. I know what I believe. You're going to be able, like your, your muscle to be able to test things that are good is going to continue to grow into every part of your life. And so then you're going to be able to discern on a day in February, like, okay, what, wait, what is this? What's going on? So I think as we're Mm -hmm. like, we're just growing that muscle more. I I was thinking the same thing, not put so eloquently, but that was really well put like, like more like after, if someone makes a decision about this, the next time they have to make an ethical discerning decision, they're going to kind of know maybe a better filter for how to do that. That just seems like they're going to build inner strength to keep saying, I want to do, I want to do what's right. I want to live righteously. So I'm not going to do that. I think it builds that muscle. Yeah. I even think, sorry, just really quick with MJ, I think because of her story and what you've walked through MJ, I think you're able to spot something from a mile away because of what you what you've walked through. And so sure. we get to kind of learn from you and learn to be like, oh, like I can spot that here. Yeah. Third question. Why does this topic matter in our cultural moment? So why, you know, obviously this is fun because Halloween is like 10 days away, but why does this matter culturally in terms of the larger scope of this issue? I, I think I'll just start us off. I think uh, Christians maybe in general tend to adopt more of the cultural things than we realize. I love what John Mark Comer said about discipleship is that we forget that the culture disciples us more than we realize. And Mm -hmm. I think this is an important topic culturally because on this topic, when it comes to some of the occult, like all of the Halloween, even the all the movies that come out right now, it's, it's all death. It's murder. It's just, it's like, it's of the, of the evil one. And we've just adopted that. And in doing that, I think we've, we've lost a little bit of the purity of, Hey, I, you know, I just don't, I don't put my eyes on those things. I don't see, I don't want to look at those things. I don't want to engage in those things. So I think for me, I think the culture has discipled a lot of Christians more than we realize when it comes to this issue. I, I think I can speak just what I've seen in my generation. I'm, I'm 27. So millennial ish, like right on the edge, but I've seen a lot of like, curiosity rise with just with spirituality in general. And I've seen it even with people I know that have grown up in the church that's now extended beyond Jesus. And so they're they're curious about spiritual things. They're curious about healings and energy and crystals. And even, it, you know, you can go to Target and find like things on the shelf that are just like, oh, like, was not expecting that or like I was at Balboa Island yesterday and there's a whole store and it's an apothecary but if you go through there's tons of like tarot cards and I've just seen that rise and so I think this is one of those elements where there's so much so much crossover like with what MJ was talking about with the seances and all these like 
even if it's the the white magic, there's still such a curiosity. And I can just see that like continue to grow. And so, and I think there there's back to the exposing. I don't know if we've done a great job as the church to like expose some of these things. And so we've let it be an okay thing to be curious about. Mm. Sometimes we're so seeker sensitive, that, that phrase, that's kind of an old school phrase, but we're so seeker sensitive, like not wanting to offend uh, potential Christians and put them off that we just don't say anything. The reality is we probably need to say a little bit more about false spirituality in the cult than we are now. I think there's like multiple things going on with, like you were talking about your generation being more curious. I think that, gotta be careful here. I think that the closer we move to the end, the more this is gonna become prevalent. The seeking of the spiritual is going to grow like we got to get ready. Like we need to know what our gifts are. We need to know how to use them. We need to know the authority and the power that we have in Christ. Instead of just making it a trunk or treat thing, what do we actually do? Why are we changing it? Why are we trying to redeem this day? Why are we trying to make this day different than what it is. Yeah. And that's not talked about. It's just come over here to church and do it with us. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue into a last question is what are my next, my next steps for people listening? And I think this is, well, how do we, can we redeem it? How can we redeem it? MJ thoughts on how people could redeem it? Maybe some better practices for us. It's a two point, a two part for me. We cannot redeem something that never belonged to God in the first place. Mm. God's not going to redeem a holiday that doesn't belong to him. But October 31st, 2021 belongs to him. He's created all seven days. He's the ruler of all seven days. So what can we do differently on October 31st that doesn't tie into maybe the culture or the practices of something that God's not going to redeem because it was never his in the first place. Mm -hmm. So what I would love to see is instead of just having like a trunk or treat where we're still kind of celebrating what Halloween is, we're just doing it in the safety of our church grounds. What if it became a worship day? Like what if all the Christians across the nation were just praising and worshiping God on the day of Halloween? If you want to bring your kids to kids care, maybe they'll make some fun little things and have some candy. And I don't even care about the costumes at this point. Like let them dress up as fairies and princesses because they get to dress up. But us adults, why don't we just be worshiping that day? You're right. Because like with the early church or not the early church, the the medieval church at 600, when the Pope changed it over, he just said, what's what's just like continue to honor the dead. So he didn't make verses like, well, the, the Celtics were worshiping. They're they're doing something. Why don't we worship Jesus instead? So yeah. I, they didn't they didn't go far enough. And I love that yeah. you're going going all the way. Katie, any thoughts on your end of like next steps for people? I mean, I think like just as what we're talking about, just kind of like pray and mm-hmm. see like for you where because I think every person has a next step. So like wherever you are, like what is that thing that you can take a next step towards like holiness? And even as what, what we were saying before, if here's the line, what's your next step to, to jump away from the line? It doesn't mean that you have to like, you know, sprint over there and lock down in your house on Halloween. But what what is your like next step 
towards holiness. So I think that that would be a great place to start for anybody that's listening. Great. What is my next step for holiness? It's good. I think too, like how you had mentioned, some parents are saying, oh, we don't want to scare our kids. We don't want to do that. But I think what's really important is that we don't scare them, but we educate them. Obviously age appropriately, but educating like why our faith is not going to allow us to do some of the things like we're not going to go to haunted houses. We're not going to decorate our houses with you know, the scary Halloween stuff. I think it's really to encourage people to go and research, like, what is a jack-o'-lantern? Do you guys know why people carve pumpkins and put them on their porch? It was to scare off evil spirit. Mm -hmm. It was another, like, way of scaring off an evil spirit. Why did people dress up in costumes? What is the deal with the trick or the treat? Like, there is a history behind every single one of these characteristics that go around this day. And to really like research that and figure out in your own family, like how you can do it a little bit differently or just teach your kids why we're not going to do certain things that maybe some of their friends do or why they're not going to go, you know, do certain things. But that really starts with that personal relationship that you have with God and to pray about it and to really seek his answer and his favor over how you should celebrate it. And then when you come up with that decision, just do it because then you're going to honor him by doing what he says. I I think about what Paul said. He said, anything that's not done in faith is sin. So out of, I think for me, the next steps for people is, you know, kind of a, kind of a crawl, walk, run. Number one would be if, you know, crawl, if you have little kids, we are not to like infuse fear into their life. So there's, if there's anything that we would do on this holiday that would bring fear, watching scary movies, having scary decorations, taking them to scary houses. So a crawl might be, we're going to get rid of anything that's going to bring fear into the lives of our kids. We, that's definitely not what God wants for our kids. And maybe a walk, the next step after that would be thinking about, you know, do we even in, put costumes on, that kind of a thing. And I think the run, I love what you said is, you know, what's actually worship Jesus? What's, what's have fellowship with people? What's do, what's do things that bring life? Uh, to people's lives, not like death. So I, I love all of that. I was just thinking about that Colossians verse. And as we wrap up, I'm thinking about Colossians 2.10. In Jesus, we have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And I just, if anybody's out there listening and they're stepping more into the occult, number one, we would love to connect with you and pray over you. I know MJ has a heart for people like that and just encourage you that that Christ completes us and he can complete you. He loves you unconditionally. And then for us as Christians who are walking in all this, Jesus is over everything and we want to put him higher and higher. And I want to encourage you uh, as we close to really think about how to honor him in everything we do and to worship him with every part of our lives and to rethink about the practices that we're engaging in that may actually not be of God. We'll end it there. Thank you all for listening uh, to another episode of the Resilient Christian Podcast. MJ and Katie, thank you for joining us. This has been a rich conversation. Thank you all for listening again. Take care and God bless.